one of the things that blows me away is the concept of space travel. Isn't that pretty cool? That That's actually happened. I think that's just completely amazing. And as I think about the astronauts that have gone out there and gotten to do these amazing things, I mean, strapped to a rocket and launched into space, how cool is that? And there's one specific astronaut that really stands out to me. And I guess it's because this astronaut was really someone that was on the edge and really accomplished some things that none like him before had. And of course, I'm talking about Albert II, the first monkey to ever make it into space. And and what I love about Albert is he was really humble. Like when they would interview him, he wouldn't say anything. Like, he really just left that for other people to, you know, take, and he never had anything bad to say about anybody, you know, but, no, but seriously, think about how cool it is that someone was strapped to a rocket and launched into space. I mean, just think about the different experience they had than you and I have, you know? I mean, the closest we'll ever get to that is looking through pictures on the web or watching a movie and just seeing these guys hanging out, no gravity, hanging out, looking back at Earth. Like, what an amazing experience. So there they are doing that, and here you and I are just kind of, you know, flipping through pictures going, wouldn't that be really cool? And I think that is a picture of some of our relationships with God when it comes to experiencing God. Some of us look at our friends around us and we think, man, it looks like they just get launched into these experiences with God. Looks like everybody's just flying by me. You know, like this person's here and answered prayer, and this person's, you know, getting something out, opening up their Bible and spending time with God, and this person just seems to always be seeing God do something new and fresh. And I just kind of feel like I'm standing here looking at pictures of everybody else's experience. And so one of the reasons we're doing this series called Experiences, because we want to launch each of you into your own experience with God. It's so important that every one of us experiences God for ourselves. And so for these last three weeks, we have talked about how important it is to experience God. And we've seen that experiencing God reminds us that God is powerful and awesome, that he loves us, that he's present, that he's with you. You and I need that reminder. Also, experiences with God inspire us to live for God. Some of us are really trying to live for God, and we keep falling short, and we need some inspiration. And there's nothing like experiencing God to get you to go, now I want to live for you. And last week we saw experiencing God impacts others, right? When we experience God, it inspires us to reach others for God. And so maybe through this series you've been saying, okay, Doug, I I understand there's a lot of reasons why it's important to experience God, but I feel like you've sort of left out what it looks like to be someone who experienced God. What does it look like to be somebody that knows God in that close, intimate way? That you could say, hey, God's made a huge difference in my life. And I'm not just looking at pictures of somebody else's experience with God. I'm not just reading the Bible about experiences with God people had 2,000 years ago. No, I can tell you I've had my own. Is there like a common denominator among people who have experienced God? Like if you fill the room with people who have experienced God, would there be something that's true of all of them? And I think the answer to that is yes. I think that there is a key to experiencing God. And that's what I want to talk with you about tonight. And that's how I kind of want to wrap up this series. You see, I think there's a link between experiencing God and how near we are to God. How close we stay to him on any given day or any season in our life. You see, there's a problem I kind of want to address tonight. You see, I I call it microwave Christianity. 
And, and what it looks like is this. You know when you go home and you're really hungry, like, like tonight actually after the service, I'm going to go home and I'm going to be starving. I just guarantee that's every Sunday night. I'm like famished. Like I haven't eaten in a week. And so I go home and I, and I begin to look through you know, the, the fridge and leftovers and what is there and what could I do. And, and, and then we all have that choice, don't we, in that moment when we're super hungry. Do I put this in the oven and let it cook like it should? And it'll taste good and probably actually nourish my body instead of kill me, right? Or should I put it in the microwave because I'm just, I just, I need this now. It's just a minute. I got a minute. I'm that hungry. And, you know, so often I make the bad choice instead of putting it in the oven. You know, my wife is an amazing cook and she'll make all these great foods. And then I kill them in the microwave, right? And I'll zap them like, Kelly, they recently made quesadillas and they were epic. We had sour cream and all the buffalo sauce and just everything you could desire. And so I said to myself, all right, I'm going to just zap these up in the microwave real, real quick. And I took my first bite and the sensors in my tongue revolted against me. And they said, this needs to exit the body immediately. And so I actually spit it right out in the garbage. I can't remember the last time. I was probably like seven the last time I spit something out of my mouth. But it was so nasty. And you know why it happened? Because I believed that I could get the same results using the microwave as if I were to use the oven. And that's what you and I do so often in our relationship with God. We go, okay, God, I'll give you a minute or two. And when I give you that minute or two, I'm expecting to see you and hear you and feel you. I'm expecting miracles. I'm expecting answered prayer. But in, in the same way, man, God doesn't work in the microwave. He works in the oven. He works when you and I say, okay, I'm in this for the long haul. Okay, God, I'm going to invest time. I'm going to invest in my relationship with you and not just look for the quick fix. It's so important for us to talk about, guys, because I've seen people give up. I have dear friends. I have people that I love that once said they loved God, and they gave up on their relationship with God because they didn't see and hear and feel God like they thought they should because they snapped their fingers and he didn't show up. They, they gave God their few moments, and he didn't show up like they thought he should, and they walked away. And I think that happens for a number of reasons. But I just want you to know tonight, microwave Christianity just doesn't work. You're going to be disappointed if you think, let me spend a minute or two with God, I'm going to have this amazing experience, and then you're like, wait, how come I didn't see anything all that great happened there? Another reason this is so important to talk about is because God's not your genie. We, we, we kind of want a genie a lot, don't we? We, we just want to be able to snap our fingers and see God show up. We want to be able to say, hey, I need this now, and so do this. And you know what? God doesn't work like that. And it's actually really great that he doesn't work like that because he's far more interested in a relationship with you and I than just giving us what we ask for in any moment. If you remember a year, year or two ago, I guess, we started talking about this idea of God being the treasure and not the treasurer. You guys remember that? If you were around for the last year or two, we talked about how God's not the treasurer. He's not the one who handles the treasure. He is the treasure. A lot of churches or businesses have a treasurer or a finance guy or somebody that handles all the treasure, all the money, all the stuff, and makes sure it gets where it's supposed to go. And a lot of us view God like that. Like, God, okay, handle all my stuff. Okay, you're the treasurer, God, so you know what? I need healing now, so all right, treasurer, give me my healing. Or all right, I need some finances now, so give me that. Or I need some peace now, so give me that. And you know what? Sometimes it's just because we're, you know, in the midst of something real difficult we do that. Sometimes we're just so busy. We live on Long Island, the busiest place in the world, it seems, right? And so it seems like we look to God as treasurer sometimes just because we're so busy. And it's like, come on, God, just give me what I need now. Let me keep going with life. That's not how God works. I mean, parents in the room, you know that 
Sometimes you're viewed like a treasure by your kids, right? You ever had that moment where you, you walk through the door home from work or you, you see your kids off at a distance and they see you and they come running? And you're like, my offspring. They want to embrace me, right? And they come running towards you and it's like that moment and everything slows down and there's nice music playing and you got your arms out and you're just waiting for the embrace and you're hugging and they're going through your pockets, right? You know what I mean? Like they just want what you have and I'm sitting there going, I'm not the treasurer. I don't even have any money anyway. I'm a pastor, right? But anyway, so, so that is so often how we view God is, all right, handle my treasure, God, handle my treasure. Give me what I want. Give me what I need. Do what I need. And I just want you to know, that all those aspects of microwave Christianity fall short. Every last one of them. And so there's this link between being near Jesus and experiencing Jesus. And that's what I want to talk about tonight. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, then I hope you'll listen along. Because I'll tell you a couple of things I hope you get out of tonight. Number one, imagine you being able to experience God yourself. How cool would that be? I mean, so I know some of you are in here tonight with incredible doubt. You're like, I don't even know if God's there. I can't imagine that Jesus, the Son of God, supposedly would come and die in my place and rise back from the dead. It just seems so out there. But can you just imagine if God showed up in your life in such a way you couldn't deny it? Did you imagine if you experienced him and then you said, wow, maybe there's something to this Jesus stuff? But even further than that, what I want you to know is the person we're going to really be looking at tonight He was an eyewitness to all this stuff that Jesus did. And so if you're skeptical, like I was for a lot of years in my life, tonight you can look at what we're going to see here together, a life of a guy who was an eyewitness to Jesus for years and years. And I think he's got a pretty awesome thing to say to you and I tonight. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to basically call John to the witness stand, okay, the disciple John. And so here's how this is going to play out. We're going to look at something that John heard Jesus say. And then we're going to look at John's life and see if he lived what Jesus told him to do. And then we're going to see the result of it. So we're going to see what John heard Jesus say. Then we're going to see if John listened. And then we're going to see John's testimony or the result of what Jesus told him to do. And so we've spent a lot of time in John 15. And so I don't want to spend too much time there. I just want to kind of, I want it to kind of be a foundation for where we're headed tonight. And so in John 15... John heard Jesus say this, and then later would record it, right? John 15, 4, Jesus says this, Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. Remain in me, and I'll remain in you. This whole idea in the Greek is this idea of continuing or abiding. I think the easiest way to say it for you and I to understand is John heard Jesus say, Stay near me, and I'll stay near you. You want to experience me? Here's how it works. Stay near me, and I will stay near you. And then Jesus gives a little bit of an example. He says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. So Jesus is using an example that's a little strange for us today because we don't have vineyards like all over the place unless you go out east. But around him, man, there was probably a vineyard nearby that everybody was looking at. And so Jesus here is talking about this amazing, intimate, close relationship he wants to have with people. And he probably sees a vineyard nearby and he says, hey, You know, like those branches over there, they're dependent on the vine. If they disconnect from the vine, they're in trouble. And then Jesus says this, I'm the vine, and you're the branches. If a man remains in me, or a woman, and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So what Jesus is saying here is, hey guys, in this illustration, it's kind of like I'm the vine, and you're the branches, and as long as you remain near me, as long as you connect to me and stay close to me, 
then guess what? I'm gonna produce fruit in you that you could never produce yourself. Well, what does that mean? What is this fruit Jesus is talking about? He's talking about things that you and I on our best day could never muster up ourselves. He's talking about doing things in us that only God Almighty could produce in our lives. That's what he means by fruit. For example, it's when I've been near Jesus and suddenly there's a love in my heart that I know is not my own. Like when I was first a youth pastor, it was the first memory I, I think I have of this type of love that felt like it was from God. Because there was this girl in the youth group. I was probably about 20, 21 years old. There was this girl in the youth group that I just couldn't stand. She drove me crazy, okay? It's none of you here tonight. Don't worry. <laughs> Somebody's like, is he talking about me? No, no, no. And so she just drove me nuts. And I, I remember, I mean, she, she was like professional. She was a professional ignorer of my advice. Like she could, she could have majored in that, in that in college. Like she was so good at it. She would come to me one week and I'd say, you know what? I think you should just do this. Okay, okay, okay. And then she'd come back next week. Did you do that? No. You know, the next thing, okay, I'm going to destroy you soon, right? And so she kept coming back and coming back. And I remember going to God finally. And I just said, God, I got to be just real with you. This girl just drives me absolutely crazy. And I'll never forget, I just felt like I heard, I heard God say right back to me, yeah, she drives me crazy too. No, I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. No, in that moment, in that moment, I just laid it all out there for God. And I said, God, I need you to do something in my heart I can't do for myself. I don't have love for this person. I'm, I'm ignoring her. I'm walking the other way. I want nothing to do with her. I'll never forget in the months to follow that God put a genuine care and love in my heart for this person. That just wasn't there. It was nothing I made myself. It came right from me saying, okay, I'm going to be near you, God. And I brought this thing to him over and over and over. And I was near Jesus on this matter, and I saw him produce fruit in my life I never could have produced myself. Some of you guys are trying to, you know, stop looking at porn, trying to stop sleeping around, trying to stop getting, you know, drunk or wasted or whatever it might be, or maybe it's just other stuff. You know, those are kind of all the big scary ones we always talk about in church, but maybe you're just trying to stop being angry. Maybe you're just trying to stop gossiping or being so unforgiving or proud. You know what? Being near Jesus is the answer to that because you'll experience him. Give you self-control that's not yourself. That's the kind of fruit Jesus is talking about here. And so John hears Jesus say, you know what? You gotta stay near me and then watch me stay near you. And when I stay near you, watch the fruit that I'll produce in your life. It's fruit, it's things you could never produce yourself. And so John hears Jesus say that. And then John, unlike the girl I was talking about a few minutes ago, took his advice. John then lived this. For three and a half years, John stays near Jesus. He remains in Jesus. He stays right by his side, physically. Jesus is walking around earth. John's right next to him. John's right with him. And you had the 12 disciples, and then you had this inner group of three closest followers of Jesus. And one of them was John. Then you had James and Peter, okay? So John is as near to Jesus as anyone in history He lived this out so well, staying near God, staying connected to the vine so that he could see God do amazing things. So John is going, okay, Jesus said that if I stay near him, I'll experience him. And then for three and a half years, that's exactly what John would do. Now, fast forward. John's an older man. And John's gonna write this letter of 1 John. Very creative name there. Good job, John. He's going to write this letter, and he writes 
something incredible in the first few verses about his experience with God. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, remember who this is. This is the eyewitness, one of Jesus' closest friends. He's talking about his experience with God. And if you are a Christian, let this inspire you so much. And I gotta be honest, these verses need to be decoded a little bit. Unfortunately, they're a little bit strange the way John wrote this. But here's what he says in 1 John 1. I'll try to make sense of this for you. He says, that which was from the beginning, which we've heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked at and touched with our hands. Okay, what does all that mean? Well, let's just take the first part first. He says, that which was from the beginning. Well, who is that? Well, there's only one person who's been around from the beginning, and that's God. And so clearly, John's talking about Jesus here. John is trying to get us to understand something about Jesus. He kind of said it in a strange way, but he's referring to Jesus here, walking around in the flesh with them. And then he says this. He says, which we have heard. You know what John's trying to say here? I heard Jesus speak. I heard Jesus speak in amazing ways. And some of you guys might be going, well, Doug, that's not really all that impressive. Lots of people heard Jesus speak. I mean, the Sermon on the Mount, you got all these people gathered around. What, he fed the four and the 5,000 and all those people gathered around. Lots of people heard him speak. Yeah, but John heard Jesus speak in a way that only two other people in human history heard Jesus speak. John had this relationship with Jesus that was about communication. John was sitting with two other guys and Jesus, and they'd talk. John was sitting face to face with his Savior. That's hearing God in a very unique way, wouldn't you say? And what I love about this is that I think it shows us that people who stay near God hear God. People who stay near God hear God. And, and you might say, but Doug, like I said, I mean, lots of people hear, heard him, but, but John heard him in such a unique way. And the point is, John at any point could have walked away. Lots of people walked away from Jesus. Jesus had lots of followers who followed him for a little time and saw him do some cool stuff, and then they went off and did their own thing. But John refused to be that guy. John said, no, I'm going to stay near him. I'm going to remain in him like I heard him talk about. I'm going to stay connected to him. And because John stayed so connected to his Savior, he heard things from Jesus that few did. And I have to believe the same is true for you and I. You know, I've never audibly heard the voice of God but God's spoken to me. It's not like the handwriting on the wall, it's nothing crazy, but he's left impressions on my heart. And sometimes it's just as simple as me going through a rough day with my wife's health and him saying, trust me, trust me. And it makes all the difference. All right, God, I'll trust you on that, but, but we got some issues with finances right now. Okay, well, let me speak to that too. I got this, trust me, watch me, watch me come through. Nothing like God showing up in the moment and just speaking right to your situation. One of the things I love about our church is our prayer time at the end of the service. And one of the, my favorite things is when people come up for prayer at the end of the service and Jess and I or whoever's on prayer that night just says to the person, you know what, don't tell us what you need prayer for. Can we just pray for you and see if God speaks to your situation? Or maybe he'll speak to a situation you didn't even know you needed prayer for, but yet that's what he does. And so I love praying. I would guess somewhere around 75% of the time at the end of the prayer, people look back at us and, and say, that's exactly what I was going through. That's exactly what I was going through. And that's just God speaking. We're no, you're nothing special. That's just God speaking to his people. And so people who stay near God hear God. 
And so as you're thinking about experiencing God, will you see that benefit? Will you see that, man, he wants to speak to you. He wants you to hear him. Then he says this, which we've seen with our eyes. Remember, he's talking about Jesus. And so John says, okay, it's not, it's not just that I've, I've heard God, but I've also seen God. And John, again, he saw incredible things. Again, you could argue John saw God, yeah, but a lot of people saw God, yeah, but John saw stuff hardly anybody else saw. John saw all the miracles. John, you know what John said? And, and he was kind of like sort of saying this tongue in cheek. He said, if there were the ability to write down all the things Jesus has, had done, all the things John had seen, there probably wouldn't even be room in all the earth to hold them. And so John saw Jesus do unbelievable amount of things. He saw him love the unlovable, heal people, raise the dead. He saw him on the cross. In fact, as far as we know, he's the only disciple that stood at the cross. And you know how close him and Jesus were? Jesus looked at John, who was standing next to Jesus' mother, and he said, you know what? This is now your mother, and this is your son. He's saying, John, take care of my mom. And so that's the close relationship they had. Then John says, hey, you know what? I saw him on the cross. Then I saw him put him in a tomb. But then I saw him raised back from the dead. John saw things that few did. Why? Because he stayed near Jesus. He stayed close to his Savior. You know what's something interesting for you to think about is we all think about John. We're like, oh, but Doug, he was cheating. He got to see Jesus with his physical eyes. That's cheating. That doesn't count. If I can see Jesus with my physical eyes, I would spend tons of time with him too. But you know what? John spent three and a half years looking at Jesus with his physical eyes. And then Jesus ascended to heaven. And John spent decades having the same type of relationship with Jesus you and I have. It was through faith. For decades, John is the oldest disciple that we know of to die. He's the only one that didn't die kind of early because he was, he was the only one that wasn't killed for his faith. And so here's John living decades. That must have been a rough transition. Here you are talking to Jesus, and suddenly he ascends to heaven, and now it's like, okay, I, I guess I got to get my heart right here and begin to see Jesus with eyes of faith which is the same experience you and I have. And so John lived decades like that, and he writes First John. He says, hey, I've seen Jesus. Now, I can't say that I've ever seen the physical face of Jesus in my life. In fact, you kind of saw a glimpse, a glimpse of this earlier, but people used to tell me that they thought they were looking at Jesus when they saw me. This one will you know, show you a little bit more clearly what I'm talking about here. You guys got that? So, so th- th- that's like the Jesus look right there. And then I went from Jesus to Mr. Clean, which is kind of a demotion, if you ask me, going from cleansing people's hearts to cleansing people's bathrooms. That's, that's about what I've done here. So. But here John is saying, you know what? I've seen Jesus. And I can't say I've seen physical Jesus, but I can say that I've seen him do stuff. I've seen Jesus do things in my life. I've seen him do things in others' lives. In fact, one of the things that I think back to all the time was the time when I went through several years of depression, several years of just feeling like, what is wrong with me? I just can't find joy. I can't find happiness. And anybody who knows me knows that one of my main goals in life is to laugh as much as possible. And so for me to go go through several years of depression was like unbearable. And I just remember in that time being near Jesus and saying, God, please take this from me. I've done everything I know to do to rid myself of this. But God, I need you. I need to see you remove this from my life. And eventually, that's exactly what God did. And it took time. 
And it took staying near him. I couldn't snap my fingers and do a little microwave Christianity thing and pray a prayer and see this joy fill my heart again. No, it took time being near my Savior until eventually he lifted me out of that depression. And that's about 13 years ago, and I haven't looked back by God's grace. Never again struggled with that again. And so I've seen God, and I've seen him do things in other people's lives. And I think that God wants you to see him too because I think people who stay near God, see God. That that's one of the realities for you and I, not physically, but we get to see him at work in our lives. Then he says this, which we've looked at and our hands have touched. He says, okay, I heard Jesus and I saw Jesus, but, but man, I, I touched Jesus. Like I physically felt Jesus. I had this close friendship with my Savior. And John's the one that recorded Thomas putting his hands in the nail holes in Jesus' hands. John's the one who said, hey, my buddy Thomas didn't believe that we'd all seen Jesus. And he said he wouldn't believe till he touched Jesus' hands. And so one day, they're all together and Jesus shows up. And John records that Thomas went over and didn't like put his hands through Jesus because he was a ghost or an apparition. He actually felt the physical resurrected hands of Jesus. And it's possible John did as well. But we see other times where in Scripture, John touched Jesus. So this was not some kind of apparition or some ghost or some spiritual relationship. He's saying, no, I've felt physical Jesus alive and well. And I think that shows us, though it's going to be different for us, we're not going to touch physically Jesus, but we should be able to feel Jesus in our lives. We should be able to feel God's presence in our lives. And so I think that people who stay near God feel God. And there have been times in my life where God's presence has made all the difference. A time when I, I'm full of anxiety and man, God's presence just brings up peace. And you, you understand this. If you're a follower of Jesus and you've had this experience, you know those moments where you're looking at life going, I should be freaked out right now. I should have no peace. But I have a peace in my heart that I can't explain. That's God producing that fruit you can't produce yourself. That's experiencing God. That's staying near to your Savior and him staying near to you and him doing in your life what no one else can do. Because people who stay near God see God, feel God, and hear God. That's what he wants to do for you and I. That's his heart. Then John says this in verse 3. He says, we proclaim to you. What we have seen and heard. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, this is big because the eyewitness of Jesus' death and resurrection is saying, I'm telling you, I saw him, I heard him, I felt him. He's alive. And John, though he wasn't martyred for his faith, he was tortured for his faith. So he was not making this up. And so he says, hey, I proclaim to you what we've seen and heard so that you also may have fellowship with us and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. You know what John is saying here? He's saying, hey, we have this fellowship or this friendship or this relationship with Jesus, and we want you to have the same type of relationship that we have with God. What's that look like, John? It looks like staying near him and him staying near you. It looks like him producing fruit in your life, doing things in your life you can't do yourself. It looks like seeing and hearing and feeling God. And that's the experience that people have when they stay near their Savior. 
The people that I know in my life that have had the coolest experiences with God, they're always living out that key. These are the people that I know of that are closest to Jesus. The people that I know that say, hey, man, I I just saw God do something so cool. Or, man, God's filled me with such joy. Or whatever it might be. They are always those people who stay near their Savior. Because there's this link between experiencing God and being near God. And so what I think all this boils down to here today, and then we're just going to get practical for a few minutes and say, what does this really look like? I think it all boils down to this idea that people who stay near God experience God. I think that's the key. That's the link. If you've filled this room with people who have had these incredible encounters with God, it would all come back to people who stay near God experience God. And you know what? It doesn't have to get weird if you're, if you're somebody here who stays up too late at night and you watch a lot of YouTube videos of people doing all kinds of crazy stuff in the name of Jesus. That's not what I'm talking about. Can I just say that loud and clear tonight? I'm not saying it has to get weird and crazy and people got to do all kinds of nutso stuff that turns everybody off. What I love about God is when we pray at the end of our services here, it's just quiet and it's calm and it's peaceful and God does his thing. And so if you're imagining the worst, let me just take that image right out of your head right away because God doesn't need all kinds of craziness to show up in our lives. And so we've seen God do some really powerful things. And one of the things, as I was just thinking about this concept, I was realizing that, you know, you and I, we often understand certain things in our natural life that we think aren't true about God. And I don't know why we do that. Like, for example, Pastor Bravone, who founded this church 30-something years ago, has incredible biblical knowledge. Like, if you knock on his office door and say, hey, I'm trying to find that story about, you know, this or that, he'll say, okay, it's found in this in this certain book, do you want the NIV, the ESV, the NLT, the King James? Like, I'll just rattle it off for you, whatever you need, you know? And he's just brilliant. I mean, he just knows the Bible so well. And, and as a staff, we've been trying to memorize Scripture lately. And so each person kind of gets to choose a verse. And whenever he gets to choose a verse, it's like torture. Because he chooses these ridiculous, he's just like, let's just do the New Testament. Like, oh, okay, well, not that we can't do that, but less is more, Pastor, you know? And he just goes for it because he just knows God's word so well. The rest of us are trying to get it out, right? Joey comes in. He's like, uh, well, um, I, I kind of sort of got it. I got the, the JLV, the Joey Lucci version. You know, he's like writing his own Bible. It's heresy. Anyway, but uh, so, so pastors just got this incredible knowledge. Now, let me ask you a question. Who is going to benefit the most from pastor's knowledge? The people nearest him. The people who spend the most time with him. Right, that's just clear to us. If you're here today and you're like into sports, you know all the stats, you know all the fantasy leagues, you, you got all that. You know who's going to benefit from your knowledge of that? The people who are interested in staying nearest to you and absorbing that, right? Why would we think that's not true with God? God wants us to experience him. It's all about staying near him because people who stay near God experience God. And so what does this look like? How do I want you to respond? What kind of life does this look like for us? Before I tell you, here's what I want to say. Everything I'm about to say is not a have to, it's a get to. Okay? What I mean by that is I'm going to tell you some things that you and I can practically do to stay near God. And I don't want you to look at these things like have tos. Like, oh man, Doug said I better do this or I'm not a good Christian or I'm not a real follower of Jesus. No, these are get tos. We get to do the following things. We get to be near our Savior in the following ways. This is not about rules or earning. It's about an invitation that our God gives us. And he invites us and he says, hey, come on in and be as near to me 
as you possibly can. Be as near to me as you want to be. And so here are some of the things and some of the ways we can respond. One, I mean, these are obvious things, but we, we forget them, right? Just seeking God in prayer. Seeking God in prayer. Spending extended, spending extended times with him one-on-one. And for some of us, that's a commute. Some of you guys work far. Hey, you have some built-in extended time that you can spend with God. Just don't close your eyes while you're driving, right? Um, some of you guys, it's, it's, it's time to just get out of lazy mode. If I could be a little rough on us for a second, we got to get up a little earlier. We got to stay up a little later. or We got to find a way to work a lunch hour at work to be able to include that one-on-one time with God. That's a get-to. You get God's ear. How cool is that? God wants to hear about your bad day and your hard relationship and the issues you have from what happened five years ago. And God wants to hear that. And you know what? People who are near God experience God. People who tell God these things get to see him show up in their lives. Next one is let's spend time in God's word. God wants to speak to you. How cool is that? God wants you to know who he is and what he's about. I wake up every single morning. I'm going to talk a little bit about this in a series coming up in about two months. I wake up every single morning. I don't know about you guys, but just instantly, like, thoughts going through my head about how inadequate I am, how much I've failed lately, the ways I've let God down, let people down. That's just my, my awesome morning routine. It's wonderful. I don't know if you experience that, but I do. And you know what? The, the first thing I have to do every single morning is I have to get in God's word. Because if I don't, then I'm going to go through my day thinking about all the ways I've fallen and I've failed people and I'm, I'm just no good and no, I got to get truth in my head right away about who God says I am or I'm in trouble. And so opening up God's word, God wants to speak to you and he wants to fill you with that life. Stay plugged in. You guys remember we did a series, I think it was last year, called Plugged In. Just staying connected to God. This is so important that we keep the conversation with God alive. Here's what I think a picture of every one of us should be all day. This, this is us and God. We got, we got the phone out and we're ready to talk and we're ready to listen to God all day long. Never putting the phone away, never hanging up, so to speak. Always ready, always listening. I'm driving home from work. I'm starting to pray about my time at home. Okay, God, Landon's going to take eight and a half days to do his homework. God, please help me. Help me be patient. Help me be loving. God, help me support my wife well. Help me to love my other kids well. God, just bless this night. All right, I'm staying connected, right? I got my extended time with God later at night. I'm a night guy, and so that's usually when I do that. But for me, I want to keep that connection open. One of you guys texts me and says, hey, I'm going through a really hard time. So sweet, because I, I got my phone out. Oh, I, was, I can't get it out of my pocket. I got my phone out, and I'm still talking to God right now. God, just be with so-and-so. They just let me know. Just never hanging up. Always keeping that connection open with God. Every single week after I write my message, I send it to all of my staff or some of the staff. And these guys give me great feedback, and they say, Doug, you missed this, or you can say that more clearly or whatever. And this past week, Joey said, I think what's important for people to understand is how we help facilitate this at church. How do we help launch people into experiences with God? And so I just want to remind you what I said a little earlier, that we have a prayer time at the end of every single service. And church growth experts have told us, don't do it. You know, it's, it's going to kill the atmosphere in the room, and just, just don't. And I tell you, Bye-bye, church experts, right? Because, man, we've seen God do such huge things in those times. We would never trade those for the world. And so often people come in and they say, one of my favorite things about the service is the prayer time. Like, Doug, it's when you shut up and let God do his thing, right? And so we've seen God do such great things. And I just encourage you, I understand, it takes guts to get up out of your seat and come up here. That's why it's so dark in here during the prayer time. It takes guts to get up and come down here. But I'll tell you what, 
We've seen God answer prayer. He's shown up. He's doing great things. So that's one of the ways we help facilitate experiencing God here. And so I would encourage you to take advantage of that. Another thing, I think another way is community groups. When you guys are spending time in community, man, God can draw you guys together and you can walk through life together and be praying for each other. And so those are two just kind of off the top of my head. Some of us, if we're just real with God, we gotta ask him for a desire for his presence. If we're honest, we just gotta go to God and say, God, there's nothing in me that wants to spend time with you. That's just the truth. It's just the reality. Would you change that in me? Please, God. I want to want you. Please, God, answer that prayer. And the last kind of practical thing I have for you tonight is we gotta be willing to push aside some distractions. I'm completely making this next part up, but I can almost guarantee it happened. I think there's one day where the devil called some demons around, right? And he said, hey, I just figured out how to ruin people's relationship with God. It's called Facebook. Social media, watch this. Watch how much time these Christians will waste looking at pictures of people they don't even like, right? I hate this guy, next picture. I hate this guy, next picture, right? He's gonna go through the whole album, accidentally like it, you gotta delete the like, right? Oh, he's gonna find out, I was looking at his profile, right? And then I think after that, he said, oh, and after Facebook and MySpace and Twitter and Instagram take over the world, guess what I'm going to do next? Another new invention. It's called Netflix. And you know what? People are going to be able to watch entire seasons in like a day and then complain about how they have no time to spend with God. Listen, I I use Netflix and Facebook, right? But if I'm honest, there are times I got to just say, Netflix and Facebook sort of kind of entertain me. But at what cost? Some of us know Rick Grimes better than we know Jesus because we've spent more time with Rick Grimes lately, haven't we, than with Jesus. And so experiencing God is all about nearness to God. And so it's about seeking him, seeking him in prayer and in his word and through our prayer time here and through keeping that connection open. That's so huge. And through pushing aside some distractions, I'm telling you, we're a bunch of people who have huge potential to experience God. And it's going to come as we stay near God. It's a get to, not a have to. We're invited into that. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, I just want to say, I think it'd be so awesome if you were to pray a prayer like this tonight. God, if you're there, would you show me? I mean, just imagine God showing up in your life and doing something incredible. And remember, Everything we've heard tonight was through the eyes of John, an eyewitness to all that Jesus went through, his death, his resurrection, him dying in your place and mine. And his desire is to have a relationship with you like we're talking about tonight. And if you're a follower of Jesus, it's time to spend some time with him near, close, even now at the end of the service, and just pouring out our hearts to him and being real with him and saying, God, give me a passion for prayer or your word or just being close to you, or keeping that line connected, or God, give me the guts to get up at the end of the service and go get prayer that I need so badly. Give me the strength to push aside distractions so I can be with you. But it all boils down to the fact, to the truth, that people who stay near God experience God. Let's pray. God, thank you so much that we are invited to this amazing encounter with you. How amazing that you care, God. You care what I'm going through. You care about how I feel about my wife's sickness today. You care about my sadness. You care about my discouragement. You care, God, about the ways that I feel like I've failed and I've fallen short. You care. You want me to pour that out to you, God. And you want me to open your word and you want me to see who I am and how much you love me. 
how much you've done for me. And you want me to be in community with other people that will remind me about all that stuff. And you want me to stay connected to you through the whole day, stay near you, not hang up the phone, not end the conversation. God, thank you. And so help us. If you're a follower of Jesus, just be real with God. What do you need? Ask him for a passion for him, for a passion for prayer. Ask him to help you not end the conversation, but stay connected to him through your day. As people who stay near God experience God. They see him, they hear him, they feel him. If you're not a follower of Jesus, I'd love to lead you in a quick prayer. And it's between you and God. I would encourage you without any twisting of arms, if you want to put your trust in Jesus tonight, then you could just pray something like this silently between you and God. Jesus, thank you for coming for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for your incredible love for me. Would you forgive me for my sin? Would you let me see how real you are? Help me to live a life that experiences you.